0: they' mostly clean
1: but after me. I don't know who they are But you got to take this along. The implications.:
2: Good afternoon, Mr. Morrison. I'm pleased that you took me up on my offer. Come on inside, sit anywhere you like. Except for your desk, right? Actually, I rarely use it. I don't find that it's suitable for these sorts of meetings. Uh, but if you like it, I don't see a problem. You could take my chair and I'll take the sofa. You know, I I know how this stuff
0: works, Uh, counseling, therapy, whatever you want to call it.
2: Uh, Would you like to talk about these past experiences? I would rather not. Well, that's entirely up to you. Uh, Though I have been told that you're a wonderful storyteller, I I hear that you've been sharing stories of your past adventures with the members of my staff. And I told him that my stories were not to be shared with anyone. Uh Well, uh... Uh, At this point, you're pretty well known here.
0: That cannot be a good thing.
2: That can't be helped. So few of our patients have had the sort of life that you've lived. Most of the people here are, are pretty sorry cases, I'm afraid to say. A lot of very troubled people. A lot of very damaged people. You aren't a damaged person, Mr. Morrison.
0: Great. Can I go now?
2: Well, uh, if you'd like to return to your room, that's fine, I guess. Uh, perhaps at some other point, uh, when you're feeling more comfortable, we can try again and see if we can answer some of your questions.
1: Well,
0: I'm all right, then. Because all I really want to know, you see, is why am I here? Who put me here? Now, now, you're the director, so you should be able to answer these questions.
2: Very well. You're not going to like this, Jacob, but it was you. You checked yourself in. Ah, bullshit. Take a look for yourself. This paperwork is all legal and proper. Uh, we do get self-admissions from time to time. It isn't common. Uh, you have a trust, uh, which is paying for the expenses, and the terms of your admission are plainly stated here in these documents.
0: This, uh, uh, what
2: the hell? Did this says indefinite confinement. Uh, You're interpreting that wrong. Uh, You can and you will be able to leave as soon as we get this thing settled and figure this thing out. Figure what thing out? Actually, I was hoping you'd be willing to explain that to me. Uh, You see, you didn't have an admitting doctor to recommend you or a caseworker or a conservator or uh, anyone to pass along your diagnosis. Uh, So we don't know what your real issues are
0: wait, just a minute now. You've been warehousing me in that dormitory for months now and not even
2: bother with sorting me out? Uh, Look, I'm not going to quibble with your understanding of uh, the living situation here. I do think that you're being unfair to my facility and to my staff. But we haven't been warehousing you, Jacob. Uh, You and me have spoken on many occasions over the past few months. I I was actually worried that I'd made a poor impression on you.
0: I I hardly remember you.
2: Oh. Maybe it was your illness.
0: Well, well, I'm fine now, doctor.
2: Can we start over? I'd like to know more about you and the troubles that bring you to us. I know that you weren't always a judge. And I, I hear that you've claimed to be part of a deep government conspiracy involving investigating strange threats. Is that right? You should know that doctor-patient confidentiality applies to our conversation. Almost anything you tell me can stay between us.
0: That's too bad it don't apply to my talks with
2: Wayne. Why don't we take some time to consider what it was that brought you to us? Uh, Why you checked yourself in? And then we can start working on sorting out these inner demons and these scars that you carry inside you.
0: Well, uh, all right, Dr. D. Um, By the look of the situation that I'm in, I'll rightfully feel I got much of choice here. Um, I ain't going anywhere. And, well, you know, you just might be the sort of fella that would appreciate the kind of stories I could tell.
2: Let's find out together.
0: So, I I ain't gonna warn you. You know, you asked for this. Remember that. When I'm done telling this story, I I swear to Christ, this ain't the sort of
2: story that you want to hear. They tell
1: me all your stories. Tell me what the world needs What to say, who to please Where my loyalty Should lie They tell me what you feel
0: So the year was 1993. It was the fall, I think November, when this particular story goes. And and I want you to focus on a character, a particular character, uh, Miss Dorothy Somerset. So moving into her, Dorothy, it's it's November. On a late Wednesday at the university, um, when you are during your office hours, a U.S. marshal arrives to, to deliver you a subpoena to appear in the federal court, Department 11B, tomorrow morning, Thursday 9 a.m., and he does not tell you anything else about this document, but he imparts upon you with his eyes only the serious nature of it, and he exits your office. Okay. Now, the semester ends first week of December. Um, you probably have some classes tomorrow, Thursday, and even Friday, but you also have a document on your desk that you need to take care of. What does Dorothy do? I think
3: she would read through the subpoena first.
0: She will find it is a simple one-page legal form document, essentially imparting it's a subpoena from the U.S. federal court. The address, location of the court, the date and time of your appearance, it doesn't indicate any other requirements. No documents required, nothing. Just personal appearance, location, date, and time. All right, And it's got a stamp on it as opposed to a signature. Okay. And it's in a... The style and format that they would appear, Interesting. I, I don't know out of character if these are, have a blue back or any other formalities to them, but it, it looks legit and was hand-delivered to you by somebody of authority.
3: Okay. I think she would be a little nervous about it, honestly, but she puts it down and she will kind of clear her head, maybe make some tea or coffee and try to keep working on, on schoolwork.
0: Right, set the scene for us as far as what does Dorothy wear at work and what's she working on?
3: Well, she, like I mentioned before, she wears pretty professional stuff when she's working, um, when she's teaching or she's... Uh, I imagine at this point she probably has office hours. So, you know, something formal-ish and probably all black. Some jewelry, probably. But she is uh, in a small office. It's kind of cozy. Uh, it's filled with books and... Uh, this is the office that we saw George Lewiston in when uh, when he came to her about the Church of the Passover Angel, you know, a couple of years ago.
0: What preparations does she make? Because she, She's going to have to essentially not go to work tomorrow. So what does she do?
3: Yeah, that's a good point. If she has classes, I think she probably would cancel them unless they're finals or something like that, which I, I assume at this point they. Well, what when in November are we? Are we the last week?
0: We are going to be um, November 17th is today. Okay. So tomorrow's the 18th, that's the date of your, your subpoena. And the Thanksgiving break is coming up shortly. So next week will be Thanksgiving. And there's going to be some time off. And after that break, there's going to be finals.
3: Yep. I imagine she's teaching two or three classes at this point, And she emails her students and just lets them know, nope, there's no email in 93. Not, not at colleges. Damn, that makes this a lot more difficult. How would you get in touch with a group of people in 93?
0: Well, there, there is there is limited email back in 93, but not all students aren't using it right. at that point. It's still, it's, it's much more limited, more faculty and research purposes. Yep. There, you're going to have to essentially post something on the classroom doors. That's what you're going to have to do.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, that's, that's what she'd do. She'd probably uh, write something out and uh, just say, you know, I have uh, an important meeting that sprang up suddenly and I need to... Take care of that. So the class is going to be canceled. She probably only has one class that Thursday.
0: That's fine. So she makes arrangements. Uh, she probably talks to the dean. Yeah.
3: She'll tell other administrative people.
0: Um, let's cut ahead then to tomorrow, Thursday morning, 9 a.m. So um, Dorothy would drive her personal vehicle to the courthouse, park in the, the public parking lot, access you know, the whole process, go to the entrance. There's a metal detector and security she goes through to enter the federal courthouse. It's a, a very large, monolithic, typical government construction. It's it's nice and informal at the same time. Uh, interiors, you know, these um, stone tiles on the floor, marble on the wall, high ceilings. And most of the, the courtrooms are all on one side of the building with um, the hallways kind of on the, the front side. You take the elevator to the 11th floor where Department 11B would be. Um, exit, walk down. One thing Dorothy notices is that it does not appear to be very busy here she doesn't see don't there's not lawyers in the hallway there's not people at the benches there are several of these like fancy wooden benches lining the halls for the most part unoccupied down one end the way she's not going she can hear some conversation echoing about the hall with the two attorneys talking to each other okay but other than that the place is kind of almost like a church or library feel to it it's quiet things echo a little bit here as she walks down what is she wearing this morning
3: she probably feels at home in a place like this with it being kind of quiet or reminding her of a church or a library. But again, I think, you know, similar to when she's teaching, she's not going to be all gothed out in an environment like this. You know, just a nice black blouse, slacks, reasonable shoes, uh, that sort of thing.
0: As she approaches courtroom 11B, um, there's two doors. hmm. Um, And both the doors have windows. The windows have these little blinds that have been pulled down in front of both of them. And they basically say, closed session on both of these little blinds. When she tries the door, it is locked. Uh Uh-oh,
3: now she'll knock.
0: Within a few moments, the door is open from the inside, you're a key in a lock. And a US Marshal opens the door and looks at you and just gives you this questioning look. Like, who are you and what do you want?
3: She probably has the subpoena with her and she would maybe hold it up and say, uh, um, I got a notice that I was supposed to be here today at 9 a.m.
0: He he nods a bit. He motions for you to come inside. Sure. He exits the courtroom behind you as you enter. You hear the doors close and the door locks. And uh, there's two sets of doors. There's two doors at the front, a little alcove and another set of doors that lead into the courtroom proper.
3: Okay. Uh, Is there anybody else around or is she alone?
0: She's alone in this little alcove.
1: Okay.
3: Um, I think, yeah, she'll, she'll try to go through, just maybe knock on one of the doors or try one of them.
0: Yeah, uh, trying the door, it, it opens up, she pulls it towards her, and she sees the courtroom itself. Uh, the courtroom, essentially, it's got a high ceiling, like almost like two stories of ceiling, if you know what I mean. Yep. The woods are, uh, the walls, excuse me, are wood paneled. Where she stands here, there are rows of, of seats um, on both sides of her leading up to a wooden bar that separates the audience from the courtroom itself. Inside the courtroom itself, you see the jury box, you see the bench where the judge sits. There's a kind of secretarial area for court staff. And um, the counsel tables are unusual for Dorothy's perspective. They look like two conference tables as opposed to what you usually see on TV with these kind of uh, slim lengthwise tables. Yeah. In the federal courts, that's a 90 degree change where the, both the tables for prosecution and defense are these lengthwise conference tables where they sit and who knows what position they sit. Interesting. The courtroom itself appears to be a working courtroom. You can see that there are there's an easel set up. You see there's a, a projector, an overhead projector, which is turned off. A screen down, and both conference tables have stacks of paper, have binders, have boxes, have things. Look, like there's they're in the middle of something. There's only one person in this courtroom, other than Dorothy, and, I th- and she's seen him before. She's seen him perhaps on one occasion. It's Judge Morris Jacobson. He is not at the bench. He's not at the, the staff area or the council tables. He's sitting in the jury box for some odd reason. So between the jury and the courtroom itself is another bar, and he's leaning back in one of the juror chairs with his feet up. He's got his judicial robes on, partially zipped, um, and looks over at you when he sees you come in. He takes his feet off the bar, stands himself up, straightens himself out a little bit, motions to you to come inside.
3: Yeah, she'll she'll walk in.
0: Uh, Miss Somerset.
3: Uh, Mr. Morrison, what uh, what can I do for you?
0: In fact, I, I had that document that that we serve you with.
3: Did he say he, he wants it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he'll sure she'll, she'll give it back to him.
0: Uh, he walks over to the, uh, the where the clerk's area is in front of the bench. Uh, takes the document, and puts it in a shredder. Okay. He goes right to the shredder and eats the thing to pieces. and disappears in the bin. He shakes it a little bit and says, "Follow me, Dorothy."
3: You know, you could just call me.
0: I can't. You know what? I'm not doing that. Come on. um, All right. All right. I'm sorry. He stops a minute. Where are my manners? Where are my manners? Um, Listen, Ms. Somerset, I appreciate you taking the time out to honor this federal subpoena that you had no choice in uh, resisting. Am I right? Of course. But I think it's really important that I tell you, hell, um, I brought you here against your will, but you don't have to stay. Does that make any sense? Okay. I'm going to explain something to you inside. And uh, when you're in there, I don't want you to feel pressure or whatnot. If it turns out that this is not something that is to your liking, no hard feelings. You can walk right out that door. I, okay. My people unlock it. We'll let you go back. I am not making you come here, even though I made you come here. If that makes any sense.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I think I understand.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. Let's let's just get on with it. Come come, follow me. Yeah, what she does. Right, he turns his, his back and he walks over to the side. There's a door on the side of the courtroom, leads into the back hallway, staffing areas, to up uh, down the hall to where his chambers are. If you've been here before, I don't remember if you have or not, but he has like a, a secretary in the back. She's not here today, all right? So this the, her desk is empty and in his chambers, he opens the door. His chambers is like his office, basically. You recognize immediately the other two people that are already in his chambers. So sitting there at uh, the small table that he has, there's breakfast nook. It's Fred Fontaine and Will O'Keezer. Go ahead, Fred and Will, describe what you're wearing this morning.
4: Fred is dressed pretty, pretty casually, uh, wears a blouse and a, a, a blue shirt underneath, uh, wearing jeans and, uh, and shoes. He's uh, also got a cap on and, and sunglasses tucked in his uh, the collar of his shirt. As soon as, uh, uh, Doherty, you, you, you come in, he kind of turns and, and gives you a nod and a, smile. Sure.
3: She'll wave. Uh, will
5: be in jeans and a black polo and like, uh, not cowboy boots, but more military boots. And, uh, would definitely turn and give you a big smile as you came in the door and then back to serious face.
0: Uh, Dorothy Somerset, um, he, he kind of goes over to his desk. He has these his papers and he says, um, yeah, I, I drafted up these papers here, Ms. Somerset. I was uh, have you take a look and sign this and basically essentially agree that you are volunteering of your own free will under no coercion, um, that this is something that you are choosing to do, um, and you have been dutifully warned and acknowledged or whatever the fuck it was in these papers here, and it don't fucking matter. It don't matter what I have you sign, what I have you say. I could put you on a recording and have you swear to Christ that this is something you want to do, and it's not gonna fucking matter in the end um you know as well as i do that your father does not want you here and does not want you in this briefing i believe he's made that abundantly clear to myself and perhaps to you as well so let's just get this right out the way um i'm asking you to be here and i would like you to be here but um i am not forcing you and it don't fucking matter because it's gonna look like that are we clear
3: so i think her smile has turned to a frown as as he's um going over this and uh after he finishes she says sir let me make something perfectly clear to you i don't care what my father says or thinks i'm an adult and i can make my own decisions and yes i understand that it's my decision to be here
0: what is this about well it's gonna be my neck no matter what happens
4: just the way that the judge said all of this, I think Fred would, would, of course, be paying attention and kind of looking at the judge and looking back at Dorothy and what the fuck is going on? Like, how, what is he saying in his body language and in the way he's saying things? I don't think Fred has ever seen the, the judge like this.
0: No, Fred's got a high enough human that he, uh, yeah, he has never seen the judge. The judge seems nervous. And also you get a sense that he is a little fatalistic or resigned. You see, you can pick up those tones as well from him. Something's really bothering him and he's not talking about. it. Okay. Miss um, Somerset, um, we have a situation that I, I'm just about to brief my agents on, and I would like you to be um, in the driver's seat. Okay. But this situation is not the sort of situation that um, you should be agreeing to Partake in, and uh, what I'm about to ask you to do is something I should be not be asking any person to do. With that being said, I I, I need you on this, Dorothy, and I hope I hope that you will.
3: Cut to the chase.
0: Fine. Um, We have a situation. I can't go into all the details here, but I'll, I'll try to keep it brief. We are aware from past experiences, past situations that there is, um, what is the word that they want me to use in this particular situation? Um, A vector is the word I'm supposed to be fucking using. And it is infectious. It is like a disease of the mind that makes people do crazy shit. And we have had what we believe to be an outbreak of this vector at a high school in the city of New Orleans. Okay. Now, um, we have certain rules that we use to keep our agents safe, and to keep this um, vector from infecting anyone else in the community or amongst our group. And these rules are very particular. I- I- I'm going to be asking you, Miss Somerset, to be the guide and light in the application of these principles, these protocols.
3: So I think at this point, um, she's gone and sat down next to uh, probably next to Willow.
0: So you see, um, my boy here, Fred, he will do whatever it is that necessarily needs to be done. And uh, he don't take much. He will do it. Uh, Miss Willow, I, I, you know her. She, she's a trooper. She's a soldier. You, Miss Somerset, um, you got heart. You got a conscience. Well, thank you. And some of those children, their lives are going to be. Um, their lives are going to depend on your decision making, Miss Somerset. And, and that's why I want you to do this. And, and I can't ask the others to do it.
3: What What's involved? What would I need to do?
0: All right. Um, step one. He goes over to his desk and grabs a, a simple white manila folder um, and hands it, offers it to you, Dorothy. Sure. She takes it. And says, um, inside that folder is a single type sheet of paper. No one else in this room is to look at that page but you, Miss Somerset. Indicated on that page uh, is a list of known vectors, uh, which we have dealt with in the past in our group, our organization, that are related to what we believe to be the outbreak. Here is what I am asking you to do, Miss Somerset and of course, the rest of my team to do. Number one, any works referencing any of those words and those terms and those references on the page that I have just given you, and there are many, all of those works are to be destroyed without question. Number two, any individual who is responsible for producing, disseminating, creating works, which reference those terms, is to be eliminated. Number three, individuals who seem to be under the influence of these works, who have reviewed them, who have watched them, who have witnessed them, may be contained to, or eliminated at the discretion of the agents on scene. That is your call. Number four, if anyone amongst you is exposed to such a degree that, um, you are showing signs of the infection, you are to report that immediately to me. Number five, if an agent is exposed, that agent is to be quarantined and is no longer to come in contact with anyone outside of this working group. That means you are not to contact your friends, your family, your contacts, Mr. Carpenter, anyone else. Um, You are to be quarantined and watched and observed. And until we are certain that the exposure can be contained or is minimal or is ineffectual and we won't have to make a fucking judgment call on that. Lastly, if any of these rules are violated by anyone on the team, the person who violates those rules is to be eliminated. There is no appealing that decision. Do you have any questions?
3: I think as he's kind of describing these rules, she uh, looks over at, uh, at Fred and Willow and um, she's kind of reviewing the, the list, the list of terms and it uh, works.
0: As she reviews the list of terms and works, I'm gonna basically give I'll give you a rundown. What you will see is a single sheet of typewritten paper, Mm -hmm. all right, which has the following terms typed on it. And each of these terms is typed in all caps. And on the top of the page it says restricted access, do not share known vectors, colon, the The yellow yellow sign, Le Roy Enjon, the King in Yellow, Haller, Pastor. Carcosa, Yitha, Casilda, Camilla, the Phantom of Truth. And that is the list that you have before you.
3: Okay. And has she heard of any of these terms before?
0: Um, roll your unnatural. Okay.
3: Uh, that's a big no. Yeah. 82.
0: This is all new to her.
4: I think Fred looks at, um, at Jacob as he says all this and, and just kind of shakes his head and says, Fucking Christ, Jacob, you're asking us to be cleanup crew? Just eliminating vectors.
0: He, he nods and sighs and says, they established these protocols back in, I think, 1955 with um, a previous outbreak, and it's been put into place only a couple of times, to my knowledge, since then. It has, um, what I'm told is it's effective. Brutally fucking effective, but it seems to work in keeping the spread of this um, vector from going any further. I'm sorry, Fred. I did not want this assignment. I don't ask for this assignment, but this is something that came down from on high. And, um, Frankly, I was just going to send you and Willow out into the weeds to do this thing. But um, I had, um, I think Miss Somerset can help us.
4: That's pretty salt the earth, if you ask me. You sure there's no, like, this, this is just the steps you gave and that's it?
0: He looks at Dorothy. Uh, Miss Summerson, I'm, I'm going to ask you to be a conscience of this group. I'm going to ask you to do what I have to do in my life out there in that courtroom. Uh, you got to be the, uh, you got to be the jury or the judge or what not. You, you got to help make the call. If someone is infected, you got to decide if someone is not infected, you got to be responsible for that decision. Am I making myself clear?
3: Crystal. And she looks at at, at Fred. He's pissed. She kind of gives him a look, not too dissimilar from the look when they were in the motel room and Regina was drawing a look of kind of like settle down. And And she turns back and she says, I understand what you're asking me. You have these rules written down somewhere.
0: If you want to, I can put them in writing, but we don't like to do that for reasons you can understand. But um, sure, I, I will do my best to make that clear. Um, they want me to be your only point of contact to ensure that the um, well the, nothing nothing spreads. So um, let me just get down to brass tacks mm-hmm. and give you folks an idea of what we're dealing with, I and mean, then as much as I can explain the situation uh, in the best possible manner that I, that I know of. You see, back on Tuesday, a couple days ago, at a high school in New Orleans, George Washington Carver High School, it's homecoming week over there, and they were doing a bunch of plays and performances. And to my knowledge, this was not a full on presentation, but there is a high school drama club that put on a performance that resulted in a riot that occurred in the auditorium. Over 30 people were injured in that riot, mostly high school children. Thank God no one was killed, or else we'd have a much greater spotlight on the situation. But there were several teachers who were also injured. The principal of that high school was in the hospital, as we speak with very serious injuries. And I don't know what the state of things are with him. Hope to Christ he recovers. But once that happened, school, of course, uh, was canceled that day. All members of the drama club were suspended. Things are going back to normal over that high school. But, um... There's some problems with the situation that make us believe that this is, like I said, a vector and not just a uh, a raucous assembly of high school children. Because um, reports we got from our sources are that this group of high school students was calling themselves The Sign. And he kind of looks over at Dorothy. Interesting. Now, by itself, that don't mean nothing. It's just the situation itself seems sufficiently unusual and um, concerning that it kind of landed on our radar. Now, maybe this ain't nothing, right? Maybe it's just students and kids being kids. But um, if it's not, and we have an outbreak of some sort, then I need you folks to contain this outbreak in whatever fashion you deem appropriate, as long as it don't come back and bite us in the ass. Am I clear? Yes. Now, um... I forgot a couple of other details when they did the reports. Um, Some of the witnesses in the audience explained to police that there was something on the stage, but none of them are clear on what that something was that made the riot occur. A couple of witnesses also complained that people in the audience were um, wearing masks for what that means. And um, police were not able to interview the, uh, the actors or the students at the drama club. They all left the play during the riot, but they were all suspended is what I understand. And I'm sure you can track their locations down. These are high school kids, they should can't be far. Um, I got some gear that you may need for this investigation I'll already prepared for. It. Um, a lot of things that we got um, that are untraceable. Uh, special gear for a special situation like this and hope to crash you don't need it but I've prepared that already it's a van in our parking garage on the lowest level Okay. questions Um,
3: no uh, I don't think so Um, she looks back at Fred and Willow either of you have any questions no nope. sounds like a follow orders and get it done situation so
0: let's get it done let's get this done as soon as possible Um, Miss Summer said if you have any plans uh, cancel them Okay. Um, and I I'll have the three of you head out immediately. And I do not recommend we take our own personal go bags and equipment. I've got some equipment geared up towards you. If you need something else, that's fine. But you're hitting the road as soon as possible. And I want you contacting me when you arrive in the Big Easy. Let me know where you're staying, And I need regular updates on a nightly basis from you, Miss Somerset. Okay. I'm gonna write down my here. Um, he gets a, a phone number out. Uh, actually, he gets a piece of paper. Excuse me. Writes down the piece of paper a number. It says, memorize this number and don't take this. You're not taking this with you. Memorize this number.
3: Okay. All right.
0: I've got it. I've got one of them, uh, car phones, Newfangled new thing of car phones is linked to this. I'm going to be keeping that with me. Now, whatever I'm doing out there on the bench, I will take a break. I will take a recess. I'll, I'll be on this. All right. If you need to reach me, I'll be, I'll be available. Okay. Just get her done.
3: You can count on us.
0: Um, come back at one piece, Miss Somerset. And you too, Fred and Miss Willow. Miss Willow, I, I, I apologize. It ain't usually as f- fun as this on a first assignment, but I know you do a good job. I, I trust you.
3: Don't worry about me, sir. I'm all about it. First? First assignment?
0: Yeah. I, I, I'm sure y'all make nice. You'll have plenty of time to talk about this in the van. Ain't none of my business, but uh, here. Uh, he digs around. He makes, he's got two car keys. There's a, it's like a GMC truck keys he puts down. And that's for the same vehicle. You got duplicates in case you know something. You know how it goes. White panel van, lowest level of the parking garage is waiting for you. Everything you need is inside that van. Okay. And I do, not, um, I do not envy you, and I am very sorry for asking y'all to do this. But uh, we're doing this to save lives, and to save as many lives as we can. Yes, sir. Just remember the protocols that I have explained to you. Keep them crystal clear. Those will save your life and save the lives of others.
4: Okay.
5: Sir, just to be crystal, we're not taking any personal gear on this? No weapons? I
0: I believe that would be in our best interest. Uh, I would like nothing that can be traced back to any of you. Roger that. I've got um, disposable gear that uh, is untraceable that I think will better suit our purposes.
3: How about uh, shoes?
0: Y'all can pick up some new shoes if you need to. I I did not buy you shoes or clothing.
1: Okay.
0: If you want to get some toiletries or some towels or pajamas or whatnot, you know, just don't take a lot of time on this, all right?
3: Ooh, do we have a company card?
0: You did not, but I have some money. We are not using credit cards. We are not using personal checks. We are not calling people that we know and care about. Okay. This ain't no vacation. I know I'm sending you all the big easy, but let's not think of it that way. You got a job to do.
4: I need to make a phone call before we go. Is that all right?
0: I trust you, Mr. Fontaine. So um, you, you do what you got to do. All right.
3: I'm also going to need to do that.
0: Uh, fine, fine. Let's just not hear my office. Fine. All right. Um, we got some pay phones outside in the bank. And Sure. Uh, sure. Just, just get out. Keep me posted. Take care.
3: All right. Yeah, I guess.
0: All right. So he gives you car keys in a, a manila folder with a single type sheet. And that's all you have at this briefing. That's all he's given you. Um, and I assume you all exit. Yep. Okay. What's the next step? Phone calls. All right. Well, we'll start with Fred first, since he was uh, he called first. Fred, who do you call?
4: Puts in a couple of quarters. Calls his sister. Mm. Just kind of says, uh, "Hey, and then um, I'm not gonna be able to make it for uh, Nick's uh, birthday party. Um, something came up. Uh, I'm swamped in work. I I, I can't do it. Visit it.
0: And was that birthday party this weekend? Was it Friday? When when was it? It was like in two days. Okay, so it's Saturday. Yep. All right yeah that's that sucks
4: and uh if if anyone is like close by to the phone you hear like loud speaking coming from the phone and fred kind of putting it back i know i know like look i'll 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 buy him something like a comic book that he's gonna really love uh once i'm back okay yep i know bye-bye and puts down the phone uh and and goes to the car i imagine gotcha Dorothy, what's your, what's your phone call?
3: She is going to call Dr. Steven Sorensen, oh. who is uh, one of her colleagues mm-hmm. at Rice, and basically explain the situation. You know, some stuff has come up. My dad is ill. I need to leave town. I'm heading to the East Coast for a little bit to take care of him. Can you please help out with with the last couple of weeks of class here? My students have their information. They know what the final is. Is there anything you can do? And, you know, likewise, I think we, you know, hear, hear the, the response coming through and
1: yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. And he'll, he'll, of course, this is a huge imposition. He does not want to teach your class for you. He has, has, has some pushback there. Yep. Um, there's probably a couple extra classes going on, but thankfully, Thanksgiving vacation is coming right up, you know, and then it's final. So you're near the end of the semester. So you hopefully you can fit, arrange it for a couple of days, a couple of classes. So he's not happy about this. He it gives you some pushback, but at the end of the day, he agrees to do it.
3: Yeah. And, and she says, like, thank you so much. I know. I know this is out of the blue. You know, my relationship with my dad is complicated, but I'll be back as soon as I can be. I'll. Uh,
0: yeah. And then Willow, of course, Willow doesn't call anybody, right?
3: No. Willow's downstairs at the truck waiting.
0: Gotcha. So let's let's go there. Willow's the first one to arrive. And you take the basement. I mean, you take the elevator to the parking garage and it's like two levels below the street level is what we're talking about here. Um, and there is tucked away in a corner like a dark corner of the parking garage, is an unmarked plain white panel van, all right, with Louisiana plates on it. It has, um, there's no windows on the side, it's a panel van. It does have two windows in the back, uh, you know, and of course the front windows, you know. And as uh, Willow unlocks it, it's got, you know, two seats, a single bench seat, and then a large space for cargo in the back. In the cargo area, there's a couple of boxes that have been secured back there. So are we opening the boxes or an hour later? Willow,
5: like, I would just get in the front seat and just drumming my fingers on the wheel waiting.
0: Okay.
3: So I think uh, Dorothy would probably give the keys to Fred or maybe Willow and just say, like. I'm sitting in the driver's seat, like, watching y'all approach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So
5: she'll hand the keys to Willow.
0: And there are two keys, just as a note. The vehicle has two keys.
5: Okay. Well, we'll split them up. Mm -hmm. I gesture and tell everybody, like, you know, get in. Let's go. Mm-hmm.
4: Yep. Fred gets in, probably has a little bit of a, a backpack and that's it. Sets it down.
5: Dorothy
3: has nothing. <laughs> <laughs>
5: mm-hmm. So as I'm pulling, out, like we're two stories underground. So I'm pulling out of one of those big uh, parking garages. Like I'd be pulling out, asking them if they need to stop anywhere, get anything before we go <laughs> uh, by my place. Cause I am stopping at my house for sure.
3: I think Dorothy is feeling like this is kind of a whirlwind. This is all happening super fast. She's trying to think, like, is there anything? We're not allowed to bring anything. Did I eat yet this morning? You know, all that kind of stuff. She's like, oh, shit, my cat. Uh, Can we? Yeah, I need I need to use a phone. Okay. She'd stop at like a Circle K or something, and literally there would be a phone.
0: Yeah. Yep. There's a pay phone outside the Circle K. Yeah, that's not a problem.
3: Yeah. So maybe if you guys are going to go in and get some uh, snacks for the road or something like that or get gas or whatever. Dorothy will pop by the payphone and call one of her bandmates and just explain the same thing she gave Dr. Sorensen. Yeah. But can you please feed my cat?
0: Yeah. So, Willow, the uh, the gas tank is full, just as far as you're concerned in this vehicle. It appears to be in perfect working order. And did you glance in the back? I can't remember if she looked glanced in the back. I think she did.
5: I looked enough to see what was there and saw that it was all tied down and stuff.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of, it would be two gallon gas tanks that are probably empty. But there's a couple of gas tanks in the back. Yeah, A monk with the several boxes that are closed boxes in the cargo area. And they're like large boxes, like large cargo boxes of some sort of gear back there.
5: If she noticed the gas tank, she would definitely fill them at this point. And she'd do all the due diligence, like check all the tires, wiper fluid, and all that shit. Because we're driving from Houston to New Orleans, right? New
4: Orleans, that's right.
5: Yeah, so that's a minute. It's not a huge drive, but it's enough to check it
3: all out. Yeah, well, several hours, yeah.
4: During uh during that time, I think Fred would stay in the car and look at what's in those boxes.
0: Okay, so Fred, you open up the boxes, and it's a bunch. There's a bunch of gear that they have packed away for you. And let me kind of go over what that would be. So there are three 22 caliber revolvers. The 22 has a has smaller bullet. It's like eight bullets in the chamber, and it's like a snub nose 22 revolver. It's a little gun, uh, very easy to conceal. Now, uh, much larger. There's three pump action shotguns, kind of old. 50/60 style Remington shotguns with a uh, hold seven rounds like one in with six below. There's also three Louisiana State Police badges, but there's oh, they're only badges. There's no ID card associated, just the medal itself and little badge cases. You've got a couple uh three heavy jackets that are a little bit oversized. They're about gray green in color. There's a bunch of these old smoke bomb smoke grenades that lo- they use a lot of times in you know dispersing crowds and such. So there's a, like a, a little stack of those, a little four of them all taped together. And then next to those smoke grenades, there's these like three military style gas masks sitting right next to the smoke grenades. There's a bunch of other regular supplies. You got duct tape, you've got some, a bunch of tarps, a whole bunch of plain tarps. You've got some plastic bags, uh, you've got uh, two small hatchets and a compact saw, all right? And that's all contained inside these boxes.
4: Okay, I, th- I think Fred kind of takes a look at everything that's in there, kind of moves it around, and just shakes his head, fucking... He just says out loud, even though there's no one is there, just says, what is this? Uh, and, and sighs and closes back to boxes and, and sits down waiting in the car.
0: So Willow finishes all her work and her checks. You fill up those two two gallon gas tanks that you load up in the back of the van as well. Uh, Everything's ready to go. Dorothy's got some snacks, made the phone calls. Uh, It's road trip time.
1: We
5: got to go to uh, Willow's house first. Oh, right. Yeah.
0: So the group does take a little sidetrack to Willow's house. When you arrive there, uh, Willow, what do you want to do? Uh,
5: So there's three outbuildings behind Willow's house and uh, I pull the van up to one and be like, you should might as well see this. And motion inside, Uh, we go into like, maybe like a 15 by 15 room that is fully concrete. It's completely pristine. Like flip on the lights. There's on one wall, there's like a workbench. And what is it? There's a gunsmithing table all the way out to like on the other wall, there's a lathe. I tell y'all to stay there. Go over to one of the cabinets, reach up to the top, grab gloves. Like I'm making sure that Fred is watching this, right? Yep. Grab a set of gloves. I open up one of the lockers, and the locker is literally a row of the weapon that like, I took in our last adventure. There's a row of them sitting in that locker. So I take one of those out, put it on the table, and then go into another locker and pull out five
4: racks of ammo.
5: They were obviously loaded in that room, right? It's all been handled, and I tell Fred, you think this shit's clean enough?
4: Uh, no clue, but um, we're not lacking in gunfire and what's in those boxes. Not one bit.
5: I assume shotguns and pistols.
4: Yeah, and also ammo too. There's a box of shotgun shells and box of extra 22
0: ammunition. You know, you got, you got plenty of supplies.
4: Yep, shotguns and pistols.
5: Too close range. We got to have something long range. Like Willow's just too uncomfortable without one of these weapons, right? Like it has become a thing for her. Obviously there's like 12 of them right there in that rack. This one has no cereals, she built it herself, there's no markings on any of the ammo, there's no fingerprints on any of the cases, she's handled all this stuff, like, you should be a little disturbed by what you're seeing, like, no normal person has this, right? Yes. Like, it's right. well beyond even, like, a prepper,
4: right? He's stunned, and he, he just kinda shrugs and says, if you wanna bring one of them, um, go for it. Dorothy, have any? Was that before or after? Oh, all these uh since I was like 12 Fred just shakes his head your dad yeah of course your dad
5: he taught me the requisite skill set mm-hmm. yeah okay but it's not really a big deal to her either it's just logical
3: right
4: yeah F- Fred is bad you can see you see it like he's got like his face in his hand can't believe this but uh, Dorothy
3: speaks up and says uh, the judge told us not to bring anything from outside. Yeah, that's why I wanted you to see where
5: it came from. This is is as clean as it can be. There's no way they could trace any of this back to anybody. It doesn't exist, much less me. There's no tracing what comes out of this room. Okay, all right. And so she racks it up into a bag and puts it in the truck. All right. Good now. And you notice she doesn't lock the door to the shed.
4: Well, don't you want to lock
5: that? Nobody comes out here. We just did. Other than me, nobody comes out here. Like, with a period at the end of that sentence. Yeah. She's just sure of it, right? If you say so. Alright, let's go. Alright. You wanna drive first or second, Fred?
4: Uh, second. Alright, let's hit it.
0: And in um a, a little bit of a deja vu for this group. You're back on the 10 freeway headed eastward. I don't imagine there'd be a lot of conversation, but I'm going to leave it up to the three of you. If there's anything you want to talk about on this kind of quiet, uncomfortable drive east, it's at this point it's about noon, so the sun is high. Uh, you should you'll make it there, be, you know, before the sundown. You'll probably make it there by like five o'clock, maybe four or five o'clock. Is there anything you want to talk about? Otherwise, we'll
3: we'll move into Louisiana after some silence. Um, so, are we going to talk about the elephant in the room?
4: the guns in the back?
3: No, not the guns. No. Uh, She uh, looks at Willow's driving, and I think Dorothy's in the back. Willow's just driving. Yep. Like, straight up. And she says, uh, first assignment? What what does that mean? Since we last talked, I got a whole new list of things I
5: can't talk about.
2: Uh,
3: Okay. Well, I've got a list too, apparently. Yeah, but apparently we're supposed to shoot the things on your list? I guess so. Um... Yeah, look, I'm, I'm gonna try to, I don't know what this is all about, and it seemed like it really shook up Morrison, so I'm gonna try the best I can to keep you guys, um, from being exposed, I guess. I don't know what, some of these words are just nonsense, just letters.
4: Hmm. The latest comic book Batman isn't on that list, is it?
3: <laughs> no, thankfully it's not. It's, uh, none of this is stuff
4: I've ever heard of, I
3: it's
5: mm. One easy thing is the judge was pretty clear. You point, we shoot.
4: Yep. Yeah. You're the judge and jury and uh, Willow and I. Yep. And you guys are the
3: executioners. Okay. All right.
5: It seems like, I think you can totally handle it, but that seems like a big ass from the judge, especially for his not willing to ask the question directly as he
3: was. Yeah. It sounded like he talked to my dad, which is not great.
4: Sounds like it pissed him off.
3: Yeah. I don't fully understand all the stuff my dad gets into. He he used to be in the military. Mm-hmm. And he's also very clandestine about a lot of this kind of stuff. And he came and talked to me. Recently? Somewhat recently. Um, about a month ago. He knew about everything we did in Houston and, and in Louisiana. Mm. Well, not everything, but pretty much everything.
4: So we met your dad, Willow. Maybe it's a matter of time before we met yours.
3: Oh, God, I hope not. If he knows that I'm involved in any of this stuff, he's going to, I don't know, blow his lid.
5: I'd say that's what the judge was scared of.
3: Yeah, it sounds like uh, sounds like he is. Well, um, I'm not going to say anything. You, you guys don't know my dad, thankfully. So, hopefully we can uh, keep it on the down low.
4: I'm not going to tell him.
3: Definitely not coming from me. He might still find out somehow, apparently. Seems like he's got sources. Hmm. But... If we keep this whole thing very quiet, maybe I won't end up on whatever paperwork you guys are on.
4: Hopefully not. Oh boy, paperwork. So in the back, we've got three uh, revolvers, three pump-action shotguns. We've got badges. We've got heavy jackets, smoke grenades, gas masks, duct tape, tarps, plastic bags, a saw, a hatchet, anything to commit crimes and get rid of bodies.
3: Oh, good. Okay. What kind of what kind of badges? Yep. We feds?
4: Nah. Louisiana state police badges and just badges. No idea. No ID. Sorry.
3: Oh, okay. All right.
4: So it's not going to hold under scrutiny, but just flashing. It might do. It's enough to get into a high school.
3: Yeah, for sure. Or a college for that matter.
1: Mm.
5: Is that what we're going to do? Are we just going to roll up? Are we going to go? I got a sense of urgency, but I also got a sense of make sure you contain it and don't get
3: infected kind of vibe. Well, so he said that there was a group of kids in this drama club, the people who put on this performance, they call themselves The Sign. Um, Sign is adjacent to one of the terms on this list. So, maybe we start there?
5: Just adjacent, we don't have to kill the whole drama club.
3: (laughs) I I don't know. I think that depends. But I don't know how we're going to know whether they've been infected. I'm not sure what that means exactly, but I suppose we'll know it when we see it.
4: I'm sorry, Willow. This is this is not standard. Oh, good.
5: The shooting civilians wasn't necessarily my favorite thing.
4: Shooting kids, possibly.
5: It's going to have to be a enemy combatant type situation.
3: Dorothy gives Willow a look. She probably doesn't see it because she's driving, but...
4: Well, I'll have to trust the judge and trust his word on how dangerous this all is.
5: Yeah. You both have more experience than me, but the little bit I have says it can get pretty ridiculous pretty fast. Mm. The stakes last time were almost unthinkable but now it's like hmm. it tracks
4: well, if, if it's like a disease it's gonna spread
5: so yeah, everything I understand about the human body and how biology works if it's related to that at all why are we going why is it the CDC involved like
3: they're the ones that know how to stop all of this are you guys familiar with the concept of mimetics
4: mm, can't say I am
3: No. Um, ideas they can spread Um, If you think about religion or political ideologies, memes are sort of the evolution of an idea. What memes don't exist? A a meme is an idea that's carried between people through social interactions, conversations, disseminating works, for instance, and they're transferred memetically. And what that usually means is that they spread like a disease. Mm. If some of these ideas are somehow dangerous cognitively or behaviorally or whatever then that could get really bad really fast
4: but i don't get how we're doing censorship but really extreme censorship
3: that's kind of what it sounds like i'm not so thrilled about burning books yeah but you're familiar with mob mentality right yeah right it's a very similar concept emotions can also spread like ideas and usually those emotions are fueled by ideas so in a situation like what happened at this riot it sounds like Some work, this performance maybe, was designed, it sounds like, to fuel this emotion through the transfer of this idea or concept or story, if you will. Mm. We should try to keep ourselves as guarded from those ideas as we can be, but I'll be honest, I'm a little worried about my prospects in this situation.
5: I'm sure the judge would have thought about this. I don't think he would have made the most vulnerable person in charge of of the decision-making process. Well, let's hope he made a good call. Maybe the idea is too extreme and you won't be susceptible to it or something. We'll see. Yeah, we shall see.
1: say